27, uh, 24 through 29. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which, is built, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Miss Alice, for playing the music beautiful as always. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for a beautiful Sunday. What a gorgeous day we have. It's a day in fall. And Lord, when we look at all of the trees, we're reminded of how powerful you are, God. And everything in nature, it obeys you. Every one of those leaves, when you say turn gold or beautiful red, it obeys you. And yet, in the flesh, humans, we're the only part of your creation that's in rebellion. And Lord, that you would bless us today. Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and for bearing the weight of all of the wrath for our sins. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here with us today, that you would guide my word as I speak your truth from the Bible. Lord, forgive the sin in my life that I would in no way hinder your word. And Lord, for everybody that's here today, that our minds and our hearts would be open to your word. And Lord, that we would not have a rebellious spirit today. And we ask all of this in your name, Jesus, our God, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen. So for the past three weeks, we've been in Matthew chapter 7, which is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the book of Matthew. And we've looked at a few select verses. If you recall, three weeks ago, we looked at the straight and the narrow gate, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight, narrow, is the way that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So Jesus was saying in those two verses, there's a very narrow way into heaven. He is the doorway. But not only after you go through the doorway, you have to stay on that narrow path. That's the highway of holiness. And that leads into heaven. And then two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus. He was warning us. He said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're ravening wolves. And those verses that talk about you will know them by their fruits... It was teaching us we should beware of the many, many false gospels that are in the world today. Jesus only has the true gospel. Any other gospel that doesn't focus on Jesus as God as being the propitiation for the wrath due us, that doesn't emphasize his blood atonement, that doesn't emphasize the need for the cross, for his burial and his resurrection, he proved he was God by coming to Life on Easter Sunday morning. He proved he was God through the power of his holiness. That's what Romans 1 teaches us. If there's another gospel out there, it's a false gospel. And the intention is 
for Satan to use his false prophets to lead many souls into hell. And last week we looked at a third area where these are people who have a false profession of faith. They come to, to the judgment seat and Jesus says, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. And he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And these are people who really think they're Christians. And Jesus is saying, no, you're not in my family. I don't know you as my child. And today we're going to continue our look in chapter 7 of Matthew. We're going to look at the last six verses of the chapter. Jesse has already read those for us. These kind of are the culmination of this Sermon on the Mount. And you have to wonder how many people were still listening to Jesus. Because this was a very long message. He has gone into a lot of theology. Many times when we are embraced with the truth, in the spirit of our flesh, we want to reject the truth. So you wonder how many people were still there as he brings to a conclusion this most awesome of all sermons. We're going to look at, in particular, what Jesus is saying here. As Jesse read, there are two foundations and Jesus said he is the rock. And any other foundation that we are putting our eternal life in is sinking sand. And in fact, you sang that song this morning. You played that beautiful song. All other ground is sinking sand. If you look at the handout on page one in the middle of the page there, I've defined what these verses and who the um, different concepts and players and thoughts are. Now, this is something that I wrote out myself, so I'm sure when you read it, you might have some other thoughts. Perhaps you would add to it. But this is what has come through these verses to me. The wise builders are the saved Christians who are responsible for their body, soul, and eternal destiny. All of us, by the way, are responsible for our body, our soul, and eternal destiny. I say body because we all have five senses. We can control our eye gates, what our eyes look at. We can control our ear gates. Are we listening to gossip or bad music? We can control our taste buds. Some people, they eat too much, right? Because food is tasty. And you can look at your touch. Some people touch things they shouldn't touch, and their feet carry them where they shouldn't go. You can go through all of our senses. So we, in many respects, have responsibility for our bodies. Maybe we drink alcohol, we shouldn't be doing that. Maybe we take drugs that we shouldn't be taking. So we are responsible for our bodies. But more importantly, the body will pass away, the soul is eternal. More importantly, we are responsible for what impacts our soul during our life. Because... We're either born of the Spirit or we're dead in the Spirit. We're either born again through the power of Christ. Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The wise builder is somebody who embraces the free gift that Jesus has given us. Now, if you look at the next line, the foolish builders is anybody else who's not a Christian. That would include atheists, It would include people in other religions, like Islam or Buddhism. It would be the agnostics, 
It would be the people who just don't want to have anything to do with religion as we know it. In fact, their religion would be enjoying the best life you can get with the money you can earn. All non-Christians, they also are responsible for their body, soul, and eternal destiny. The house. So Jesus is talking about this house that's being built, either on the solid rock or on sinking sand. What is the house? The house is an individual's earthly body, his immortal soul, and his spirit, either dead in the world or alive in Christ. The rock. Our Lord, God, and Savior Jesus Christ, he is the rock. He is the only foundation for eternal life. What about the sand? The sand includes all other foundations outside of Christ. All of these foundations result in everlasting death. So if you're relying on your good works to get into heaven, absent the blood of Jesus Christ, that is a sinking sand. What about the rain, the floods, and the winds? These are the trials and the issues of life. We all have trials in life. We all have issues to deal with. They always precede the final judgment by Jesus Christ. He is the judge. So while we go through our life, we're going to deal with many, many issues. And it's going to culminate as each one of us steps through death's portal and we enter into eternity. And at that point, we will be judged for the things that we have done. Now, what about the certain result? The certain result is the consequential judgment of either eternal life in heaven with God or everlasting destruction in the lake of fire, absent from the presence of God. Those are the only two choices that every soul will face. Either Jesus has paid the price on the cross and we've taken and received that free gift of salvation or we will bear the brunt of all of the sins we've ever done in the course of our lifetime in the eternal destruction where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. So we're going to look briefly today at three points. The first point is wise builders both here and do God's commandments. Remember the straight gate and the narrow way? The straight gate is you hear the God, the message, the Bible. But the narrow way is when you follow through and you keep the commandments. It's not enough to say, yes, I received Jesus as my Savior, and then you continue in your ways of sin. That is not true salvation. So the first point is wise builders both hear and do God's commandments. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. I was looking at some images of buildings this week to kind of come up with some ideas about the solid rock versus sinking sand. We're probably all familiar in this room with the Empire State Building. It was at one time the tallest building in the world. It's over 100 stories. It was the landmark in New York City. And when they built that building, they dug down 30 feet until they hit bedrock. And then that 30 feet was concrete. And the engineer said, this is the most solid foundation you can build. 
It's 30 feet of concrete resting on bedrock. That sounds like a very, very solid foundation. Now, how many of you also know about the Leaning Tower of Pisa over in Italy? That building was not completed for almost 200 years because as he started to build it, it started to tilt. They had to figure out what to do with it. And even today, it's become quite a landmark. It's a sightseeing. Many people go there. It's about 186 feet tall. And even now, it's at a very precarious angle, even though they have, have shored up the foundation. So we see there are ways even engineers can mess up because the foundation is so crucial to a building structure. And the same thing in the spiritual world. The foundation is very, very important. Our foundation must be Jesus Christ. All other foundations are nothing but sinking sand. Let's look at the top of page 2. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus is speaking these words. Jesus is saying, I have all power in heaven and in earth. It's interesting. A pastor or a preacher, when they take verses, they discuss those verses. It's called exegesis. We use other parts of the Bible to discuss and show what a, a verse means. Jesus didn't exposit the word of God. Whatever he said was the word of God because he is God. And he says here, I have all power in heaven and in earth. So when Jesus says he is the way, the holy way, when he says he is the truth, when he says no man comes unto the Father but through me, that's the truth. And if anybody else says something else, that's not the truth. And God is true and all men are liars. And he's saying all power is given unto him. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto them which are saved, it is the power of God. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Or are you in love with the gospel? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. This verse is teaching us that the preaching of the cross, the need for the cross, the need for blood atonement, to some people it's called foolishness. But the Bible says, they who hold the word in foolishness, they perish. They go to hell. They do not have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation that will get you into heaven. It's already been laid. The foundation is there. Jesus said, I am the foundation. I am the rock. There's no other foundation that we could ever try to come up with that will get us into heaven. 1 Corinthians 10.4 And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the water of life. Jesus takes care of all the things that we need in the spiritual realm. 
We can't see into the spiritual realm. That's why we need Christ in the spiritual realm. Let's look at Matthew 7.25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So these are the trials of life that come, and ultimately the judgment day. And the winds and the rain and the floods could not move that house because it was founded upon the rock. Is your testimony today that you are founded on the rock? Is your soul and spirit born again through the power of the Lord? If you are, you're on the rock. But if you're not, your house is built on sinking sand. Luke 6.48 talks about somebody who is wise. It says, He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. The devil is our adversary, and he roars like a lion. And at the judgment day, he will be there saying, Jim did this and Jim did that. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And he will cover all the sins that I've done with his blood. As he will with all the sins that you've done in your life, if you are a true believer. And it says, and laid a foundation on a rock, and when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently. There are many things in our life that beat us up. But God is always there. He says, if we cast our care upon him because he cares for us. He's there to carry the burden when we need him. Romans 2.13 For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Many people in America hear the word of God every day. Many people today on Sunday are watching the word of God in some form on television or on the internet or perhaps listening to it over the radio. But this verse says, not the hearers of the law are justified. Justification, the doctrine that it's just as if you never sin. Only Jesus can justify us. Only Jesus can give us his righteousness that covers our sins. The important point of this verse is that not the hearers of the law are justified, but the doers of the law. There's that old saying, you can't just talk the talk, but you have to walk the walk. James 2.24, ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Many people say they have faith, but you would never know it by looking at their life. Jesus said you will know them by their fruits. 1 John 3, 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, Jesus, is righteous. This is John speaking, and he's saying, little children, I can envision John was perhaps your age, Miss Alice, in his 90s. Everybody he's looking at is one of his little children, right? He's saying, let no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you. What is the deception? 
The deception is that you can go to heaven and not have to change your lifestyle. That is a deceitful lie. John says, he that does righteousness is righteous. Because you will know them by their fruits. And a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, and neither can an evil tree bring forth good fruit. Let's look at the second point today. Foolish builders hear the word of God, but they don't do God's commandments. Matthew 7, 26. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. We have all been to the beach many times with our children, and we've all taken that little orange pail with the little green shovel, and we've built castles on the sand. Sometimes they're big castles, and sometimes they're just one or two buckets full of sand. But we've all done that. But eventually, the tide comes in, one wave at a time, lapping closer and closer, and finally it consumes that sand house that we have built. And no matter how intricate and how detailed it is, it will be consumed by those waves eventually. Jesus says here, everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not, it's like he's building his eternal house upon the sand. And when the time of judgment comes, when the winds and the, the rain come, that house will be carried away. It will be knocked over. And in the spirit world, that person will have to pay the price of eternal destruction in the lake of fire. Luke 6.49, in discussing this, he says, He that hears and does not is like a man without a foundation that built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is a picture of somebody who's building a house, but he doesn't have a foundation. And we would say, how silly, how crazy, really. Why would you spend all that time and effort building this beautiful house and not have a foundation? And yet, isn't that what most of Americans do today? We want to have a big house physically, a nice car, a 401k, take our vacations to go to faraway places, and wear fancy clothes, and yet, the most important thing, which is our spiritual life and our soul, many, many times Americans do not address that. And that's like building this ornate house on the beach. And then when the storms come, it just is torn down by the violence of the storm. Luke eleven twenty eight, But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. So there we have the definition of a person who's blessed of God. They hear the word and they keep it. What is keeping the word of God? We discussed it, I believe it was last week, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two great commandments of God. It's doing the will of God. That's hearing it and keeping it. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. James 1.22 says, But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Many people, they hear the word, and they go, Oh yes, 
I'm a follower of Jesus. But their life doesn't show it. And it says, they are hearers of the word, but not doers. And therefore, they are deceiving themselves. They have that spirit of guile. And we have to get rid of that spirit of guile if we're going to truly be born again. And that spirit of guile is a lying spirit to ourselves, telling us we're saved when indeed we're not saved. When we're on our way to heaven, when we're really on our way to hell. When we've never truly repented with a godly sorrow for our sins. 1 Peter 2.8 And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So Jesus is our rock upon we build our future in heaven. And yet, this is the same rock that becomes a stumbling stone. People trip over it, and it becomes a rock of offense. So many people just disregard the gospel because it means they have to give up their sin. And people don't want to do that. They would rather live in their sin and deceive themselves by saying they're going to heaven rather than give up their sins. And it says they stumble at the word being disobedient. The word will put us under conviction. When we lie, the word tells us we're liars. When we steal, the word tells us we're, we're stealing. And so forth. All the Ten Commandments, God has written them on our heart. Matthew seven twenty seven, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This person is losing everything they have in the spirit world. That's a great fall. And it's really sad. And we see people that are on that pathway many, many times in our life. Job 27.8 says, For what is the hope of the hypocrite, though he hath gained when God takes away his soul? The hypocrite is somebody who says one thing but does another. And in the spirit world, people say they're saved, and yet they walk the broad pathway into hell. They are being hypocrites. And Jesus in Matthew 23 railed upon the Pharisees, you hypocrites. They were so full of the law, presenting themselves as being righteous in front of the other people in the nation of Israel. And Jesus said they're nothing but whited sepulchers, fancy painted Graves holding dead men's bones. That's what he made them an example of. Job says, what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he has gained. Many of these people are very, very rich in worldly wealth. When God takes away his soul. We've never seen a U-Haul full with furniture following a hearse. It doesn't make sense. There's nothing that we have in this life that we take with us when we die except for what we have done for the Lord. Nothing else will matter. Let's look at the top of page 3. Psalm 32, 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. This is a, a very deep verse in theology. It says, everyone that is godly, 
This is talking about people who come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it says, Everyone that is godly, pray unto thee in a time when thou may be found. Jesus will not always be there to listen to you. Jesus is not our, our beck and call. His Holy Spirit touches us. It's not reversed. We are his servant. He's not our servant. But the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now when God's grace brings that salvation, he will give us a godly sorrow. And that's the appointed time when we are to meet him. If we don't have a godly sorrow, we truly can't repent. So this says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee, unto God, in a time when God can be found. And that verse ends, it says, Surely in the floods of great waters, water represents many, many people in the Bible. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. At the judgment seat, the lost, the many great in the great waters, they will not come close to God. They cannot draw nigh unto him because they're not in his family. They can't call upon God as Abba Father. They're not a joint heir with Christ. Mark 8, 36 and 37. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I read this past week that there's a 10% increase in billionaires in the world. A billion is a thousand million. By the way, I'm still working on my first million, <laughs> which, which I probably never will make. But think about it. A billion is a thousand million. And some of these people are worth a hundred billion dollars. That's a lot of money. But at the judgment seat, they cannot buy one day of salvation. This verse says, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? Every income property, every stock, every gold mine, every diamond mine, if he got it all, everything, and lose his own soul. And then this verse goes on to say, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? God doesn't want our gold. He doesn't want our dollar bills. What would God do with that? It's nothing to him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He wants our love. What do we as parents desire most from our children? Their love for us. Yes? God is no different. If we're his children, he wants us to love him. That's what he wants from us. He wants our love. There's nothing at the judgment seat that these rich billionaires will be able to offer God. See, they think they can make a deal. They've been doing business deals their whole life. Not at the judgment seat. Jesus will say, what did you do with the free gift that I gave you? What did you do with my son's blood? What did you do with that atonement? Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain, fearful, looking for of judgment 
and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. If you're a child of God, you're not an enemy of Christ. If you're not a child of God, you're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of Christ. And these verses teach us what other sacrifice can there be for your sins if you reject the knowledge of the truth. There is no other sacrifice. Jesus is not going to the cross a second time. On the cross, he said, it is finished. That's it. The atonement was done. This verse says, the people that reject the word of God, that reject their free gift, it says, a certain fearful looking for of judgment. It's a certainty that it will happen. Just like it's certain that we're all going to die in this room. It's appointed on man once to die. We all have that judgment, that day on God's calendar. And it says, looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Jesus is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. And his consuming fire is his holiness. That's why no man has seen God at any time. If God were to reveal himself, we would be consumed by his holiness. We need a glorified body when we're raptured or when we die and go into the presence of the Lord. That's the only way that we will be able to see God. Otherwise, we would be consumed by his fire, his purity, his holiness. And this verse ends and it says, shall devour the adversaries. God will consume with his everlasting fire all of his enemies. Let's look at the last point today, number three. Jesus has all power and authority, and Jesus will judge every man's works. Matthew 7, 28. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Many of these people had heard teachers and the scribes and the Pharisees, but they were astonished at Jesus' doctrine. He was God in the flesh speaking truth. And they heard it. And they were astonished. John 1, 1, 2. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus is the Word. And look what Jesus has done for us. He's given us his love letter. The Holy Bible. Many times we get, receive letters in the mail from loved ones. Today it's more likely a text. <laughs> we look forward to that. Jesus gave us 66 books in the Bible. 27 in the New Testament and 39 in the Old Testament. That's his love letter to us. We need to read that love letter. That's the word of God. And that is the very essence of his Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all the way back into eternity backwards. God never had a beginning, and that Word was always there. The Holy Bible was always there. John, the next two verses, 1, 3, and 4. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. We think we create things in the world today. All that we do is we rearrange atoms. The paper all of us are holding in our hand, it started out one day as a tree that God gave life to. 
Everything in this building, the chandeliers and the lights and the carpeting, it all started out as a raw material that God gave. Man is so puny in his strength, we cannot even destroy one atom. We can change things, but we can't either we can't create anything and we cannot destroy anything. Only God can do that. And this verse ends, it says, In him Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. In the physical life, in the physical realm, all things that pertain unto life and godliness are from Jesus. In the spiritual realm, all life is from God. You cannot be born again without being on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 2, and 3. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, that's in Christ Jesus, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Do you have hope today of going to heaven? Amen. That hope is in the gospel. Don't be moved away from the hope in the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. The gospel is preached to every creature under heaven. The heavens declare the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 3.13 Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. We were talking about this in the junior children's church today in the early morning service. And one of the kids was saying, well, what does this mean? Everything will be tried with fire. And I said, well, let's, let's say you had a bag full of diamonds and then you had another bag full of gold coins and there was this huge big pile of mulch and tree stumps and everything and it was lost in there. Well, the easiest way to find that would be to light it on fire. Everything that wasn't precious would burn up. Well, that's exactly what God is going to do at the judgment seat. The wood and the hay and the stubble is going to be consumed by God's fire, by his righteousness, by his purity. And whatever's left, those precious stones, that's what we have done for the Lord. And that's what we're going to get our eternal rewards on. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, because the fire shall try every man's work to determine what sort it is. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not just the Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of whom? Of Christ. That means all the Muslims, all the Buddhists, all the Catholics, all the agnostic atheists, everybody. The Christians too. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. We will receive the consequences of the things we've done in our body. And not just physical things. Our mental things, the thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, our prayer life, our thought life. Everything. We will receive everything we've done in our body. According to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Matthew 7, 29. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. See, Jesus 
Because he's God, when he taught them, he taught them with the authority of God. The scribes were mere men. And they many times would twist words or get the words incorrect. But Jesus spoke with all authority. Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of him, that's Jesus, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. This is an amazing verse. The invisible things are clearly seen. See, in the spirit world, it's invisible. We can't see the spirit world. And yet our soul is in the spirit world. It's invisible. And Jesus said, these things that are invisible are clearly seen. And he goes on to say, being understood by the things that are made. Are you made by Jesus? Yes. So Jesus is saying, his doctrine is clearly understood by you. Because he made you. And you understand even those invisible things. It's amazing Our conscience can bug us when we do something wrong. Now, many times, if you keep doing a sin over and over and over, the Bible says you can become like a burn on your skin. You can lose your feeling. So we have to be very careful that when we do sin, take it to the Lord and confess it. Because our conscience can become seared as with a hot iron. But here it says, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. The Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everything that's made understands the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look at how it ends. It says, so they are without excuse. How many times thinking back when we were children, we didn't bring our homework to school? (laughs) Or whatever. Did you bring home the milk and the, and the bread from work? Oh, I forgot. We can come up with many excuses, right? At the judgment seat, there will be no excuse. And it says, he that denies the Ten Commandments, he that despises God's word, dies without mercy. Under two or three witnesses. And at the judgment seat, all of us, everybody we've touched with in our life, Come in contact with. Maybe it's somebody at Kroger's just one day. Or maybe it's somebody in our family that we've been with for 50 years. It says, he that despised Moses' law dies without mercy under two or three witnesses. At the judgment day, there will be thousands of witnesses. But it doesn't matter. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bear witness. And we have to give an account. We will be our own witness. There will be thousands of witnesses. But he that despises Moses' law, the Ten Commandments, dies without mercy. See, God is rich in mercy on this side of death. But one second past death, God has no mercy. Then you die without mercy. 1 Corinthians 2.5 That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Many people are wise in the ways of the world. Many people know how to make money. Many people are very good in sciences. Many people are very good in politics. There are many people that are actually religious. They can write out great things 
in theology. But unless you're a true born-again Christian, this is just wisdom of the world. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of world, in the wisdom of men. It has to be in the power of God. Your faith has to be rooted in the solid rock. Or otherwise, it's just wisdom of men. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him, this is Jesus, all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Jesus and for him. They were created by him and they were created for him. And he is before all things. Before means all the way back in infinity. Before there was anything created, Jesus was. And it goes on to say, He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Many years ago, my oldest son, the one that's over in China, he said to me, Hey, Dad, did it ever occur to you when Mary was changing Jesus' diaper or feeding him, he was still holding the whole universe together? This little baby, this verse teaches us. It says, and by him all things consist. Our bodies don't float off in billions of atoms because God said they're going to be together. You know that ocean, that wave, it can only come in as far as God allows it. The rain only will rain those billions of tons of weight suspended in the clouds. They only can fall when God says so. Those snowflakes... They will only snow and come down as beautiful as they are when God says so. Those leaves, billions of leaves when you drive around Lynchburg. Every one of those leaves will turn a color when God tells it. It all consists of God. Everything. We shouldn't be in rebellion. The leaves are not in rebellion. Why are we in rebellion? Why do we sin? You know, we get under the insanity of sin. We think we're going to get away with the sin. But it's a temporary insanity. It's a form of insanity. We think we can get away with but we can never escape the consequence. Let's look at the last verse for today. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Today, do you believe that Jesus is the Almighty? Do you believe he is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek? Do you believe he is the beginning and the end? He is. Amen. And for the people who disregard his name, there's none other name under heaven whereby a man must be saved. None other name. And yet people want to trample that name down. I remember Jerry Falwell many years ago said he never heard anybody curse saying, Muhammad, Muhammad. But he hears them take the name of the Lord many times in vain because Jesus is the true God. We need to lift that name up and praise that name because there's no other way we can get into heaven except going through Jesus. Today, if you haven't done that, today is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow because none of us know what a day is going to bring forth. And also this week, God will place in our lives as Christians People that need something. Maybe it's just love. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's fellowship. 
But we need to love the Lord with all of our mind, soul, and strength. And we also need to love our neighbor just like we love our own flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, your, your word is so awesome, and especially this chapter 7. And Lord, it speaks to us who are Christians or people who think they are Christians. And Lord, many of us have a spirit of deceit and guile, and we're really not saved. And Lord, we need to get right with you. And Lord, just like you have an awesome creation, individually, we're the only part of your creation that's made in your image. And Lord, one day the angels will serve us in heaven. And Jesus, we look forward to the day when you come back and we can be with you forever. And Lord, that you would bless all of the senior saints in this room today. Just bless them with the upcoming week. Whatever appointments they, they might have, that you would just give them a good rest. And that you would bind up any worry. Your word says, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Let our requests be made known unto you, Lord, because you love us. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us today. Amen.